0: Hey, it's that time of year. Let's talk shed hunting with my new buddy, Ron. There exists a threat. From anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation here Welcome to episode number 61 guys, this is Jim Huntsman your host coming at you from the Broken Tine studio right here in Hayden, Idaho, you know it. And I am super happy to be coming at you this week. Uh, it's been a been a great week, been a fun week. We're into March as of the time of this recording. Now, the interview section, I recorded this a few weeks ago, and I'll explain that in just a minute. Uh, before we get to that, though, I need to just, uh, let's talk about the question from last week that we had on the show was, what is the sound decibel rating of an elk bugle for last week's Trivia? So we got, we got tons of responses on this one, and uh, I, know, I know some people were guessing. <laughs> I know some people were guessing. Some dude wrote in, and he's like, it's got to be 200 decibels. No, man, I think that would, like, shatter the earth if it was that, if it was that loud. Uh, the, the correct answer is between 80 and 90 decibels is uh, the, the sound rating for an elk bugle, a bull elk bugle. 80 to 90 decibels, so that's like equivalent to things like a blender um, and a car horn and, and things like that. So it, what was super interesting is, uh, like I said, there was a lot of a lot of people, you know, throwing guesses my way, um, and a lot of people said like 105 decibels. And uh, in your defense, if if I hadn't looked that up and and did all the research on that, I that's about what I would have guessed. Uh, But I I think that what makes them seem louder than what they really are is, like, they're really high pitch, you know. And so the sound waves are – especially if it's, like, a clear day or a clear evening or something, the sound waves are just going to travel a long ways. And it goes to show, like, where – where my wife and I live off uh, out here in, in Hayden, Idaho, kind of out in the woods here. Uh, not very far away from us, a couple miles is Highway 95, which is kind of like the main thoroughfare here up in North Idaho. And you got Highway 95 rolling. Um, it's not a couple miles; it's like a mile. It's probably a mile or so from from uh, my driveway. But anyway, on a super clear night, if you're sitting out back, um, you can hear it. It sounds like it's not very far away, right? I mean, it's it, it's kind of annoying. But if it's if it's cloudy and it's and snowing or even um, just just like that thick barometric pressure, I don't I, what am I a meteorologist? I, I don't know how to explain that. But yeah, especially if it's cloudy, dead quiet, can't hear the highway at all. So it's weird, and I think that that relates to uh, when you're you know out in the elk woods, uh, and and we're talking about like decibel levels and things like that uh, coming from a bull elk. Um, They can sometimes sound a lot closer than they really are, and sometimes they sound further away than they really are. So just something to be aware of. I think it's uh, pretty interesting information. So with that, guys, on this week's episode, I got a really cool dude. Um, A couple weeks back, I had uh, Alex Wagner... ...down in southern Idaho on the show, and Alex and I, we you know, we talked all things bow hunting and and um, all sorts of different topics we, we kind of brushed up against there. But he told me that I should talk to a guy named Ron Holes, and Ron owns a company called Bonafide Antler, and he's like this, um, he's got a long history of collecting shed antlers, and he's turned it into a business where they, they take the antlers and they cut them down and, um, they, they, you know, he, he could sell them as dog treats or, uh, you know, everything else he does with the antlers that we talk about in the episode. I don't want to give it all away right now, but um, it's interesting. So we talk a lot about shed hunting and the ethics behind shed hunting uh, and how how people can maybe become a little bit better at shed hunting because it's that time of year and uh, I know people are getting antsy to get out in the woods and get some uh, get some sheds under their belt, which is great. But we do need to think about the ethics side of it, and and there is one thing that I said that I'm a little bit concerned about. I'm gonna like try to head off getting a bunch of nasty emails uh, prior to us getting to that point. So th- we were we were talking about you know timeframes and when it is appropriate to go out and and shed hunt. Uh, and and that kind of leads us into, you know, when the deer start dropping, when the elk start dropping, all those kind of things that everybody's always, you know, kind of asking about. It's always a, a conversation topic on like social media and stuff. But, um, we talk about the ethics side of it and when it's too early, even though you might notice that the deer have dropped, it does not mean that you need to rush out there and start chasing these sheds. And, and the reason is these uh, th- these ungulate populations, you know, this is their most critical time. This is their most vulnerable time of year uh, in terms of how much energy reserve they have, how much, you know, the feed they have available to them, the resources that they need to survive the winter. This is a tough time of year. Um, and so I say, you know, if you're out shed hunting right now, you are wrong kind of thing. And that's, that's what I say in that, that section. I know I'm going to catch flack for that. However, you got to keep in mind. That there are geographical differences as to what I'm talking about. So, like, if you're doing that on a critical mule deer winter range, that's what I mean. You're wrong. Don't that mid-February is when we recorded that. It is too early. You're 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 creating a, a serious problem for those deer uh, by going into their winter range and bumping them. Uh, and, and making them burn energy that they don't need to be burning at this critical, vulnerable time of their life. And that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Now, w- what I was talking about with geographical differences, like if, if you're in Arizona, um, that's going to be a different story. If you're in, you know, North Idaho and we're talking about whitetails, that could even be a different story, especially with the light winter we've had. So the point is, is don't get all bent out of shape and send me hate mail over it because it's it's very specific to the areas that that we're talking about uh and you just need to use common sense with it Uh, i I, i'd love to go out and shed hunt i am waiting a little bit longer i still personally for me it's a personal choice i'm waiting a few more weeks before i go out and i know that a lot of people are going to beat me to the punch and there's not going to be much left and i and i get that i'm totally fine with that i'm more focused on upcoming turkey and bear season than i am shed hunting anyway but if you are planning on going out all i ask and and i think anybody should ask is keep the animals well-being in mind because they 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 can't afford to get bumped uh you know let, let for example let, let's say you you know where uh, a herd of of uh, bull elk are, are hanging right there's maybe a bachelor group you've been watching or whatever there there it's a very vulnerable time of year for them so you bump them up into some drainage with a pack of wolves one of them or two of them are going to be toast And they don't have the energy to make it through to the spring breakup. And and that's kind of the concept of what we're talking about with being responsible with it. So, again, uh, common sense is going to go a long way. Your geographic uh, region is going to take, you know, go into or needs to be taken into account. Jeez, man, I'm having a hard time (laughs) talking today. Geographic re, uh, needs to be taken into account. Uh, also, like what feed is available, if it's a light winter, if it's a rough winter, if it's a really bad winter, um, that's going to change the time frame as to when you should responsibly go out and look for sheds. All those things, there's a lot of information online too, guys, that you can you can look that up and, uh, you know, talk to biologists about it. Uh, I'm certainly not one, but uh, it, this is just kind of coming from the mindset of, I know these these this wild game um, they are they are definitely vulnerable this time of year and I just want you to keep that in mind that's all so hopefully that helps instead of getting a hundred nasty emails maybe I only get 25 that's that's worth it right <laughs> but again getting back to the trivia question guys thanks thanks to everybody that wrote in uh, that was awesome uh, we got we got lots of uh, entries on that one that's all getting rolled into whether you got the answer right or wrong. It's all getting rolled into the drawing that is coming up next month. Uh, we're going to have some Phelps stuff to give away, um, and it's going to be a cool drawing. So I'm, I'm looking looking forward to that towards the end of the month. We're going to have, uh, I think, one more or two more trivia questions before the drawing. So just keep – and you guys can enter twice or three times, or, or every time there's a new trivia question, you can enter once per trivia question. You can't answer the same question ten times to be in the drawing – but you can enter it every time there is a trivia question. So uh, somebody asked asked about that hey I answered the last one can I still be in the drawing if I answer this one yes, that actually if you've answered two of the trivia questions, you've got two chances to draw for the Phelps gear and and the western Huntsman stuff that we're gonna be giving away. Uh, so don't worry about that. answer each one and I'll have another one for you next week. hopefully. So we'll see we'll see how it goes. Uh, with those trivia questions if you haven't answered them, you can write in at Jim at thewesternhuntsman.com, and I will, and make sure you put trivia in the subject line so I can organize all those. We'll get the drawing going. It'll be a good time. Tell you what. Uh, and last but not least, guys, let's get uh, let's get into it here with Ron. Thanks a bunch for tuning in, and thanks a bunch for everybody uh, the the feedback that we got. Oh. Um, <laughs> I appreciate all the kind words I got over my debut rap song in the last episode with uh, with Jason and Dirk from Phelps Game Calls. <laughs> um, yes, to answer your questions, that was me rapping the Ice Ice Baby song uh, with a little bit of help from my vocal soundboard here in the studio. Uh, and so I appreciate all the funny. I got some freaking funny uh, responses on that coming through on the email. So that was that was great. A lot of fun to read through. So I appreciate that guys check us out on instagram uh, make sure you're following us there and uh, we're on facebook and uh, i appreciate all the kind reviews you guys have written on like apple podcasts and stuff like that and sharing it with your friends goes a long way for the show goes a long way for us uh, From for the bottom of my heart i appreciate that you guys are the best uh, enjoy this episode with ron he's a great dude you guys are going to really like this conversation especially if you're into shed hunting and uh, let's get into it right now here we go on the line this week i've got ron hulse he is the owner founder all that uh you know the big cheese of uh, Bonafide fide antler and and uh, he's down at buell idaho and i'm really excited about this conversation because we've never really had an episode centered around shed hunting and antlers and and what he does with antlers and this is going to be a really interesting conversation so ron i appreciate you coming on the show how you doing brother
1: i'm doing great jim i appreciate you inviting me i've been looking forward to this
0: so we kind of we kind of hooked up. We had uh I had Alex Wagner on the show a few weeks back and he told me that uh you and I should talk.
1: <laughs> I've known Alex since he was just a little tiny tyke. So uh you know, I've seen Alex grow up. So yeah, I've been been around Alex and his family uh, uh his whole life.
0: So you're you're just hanging out uh with riff down there, huh? Is that is that pretty, what's going on? Pretty much.
1: It's it's a rough crowd down <laughs> here, I'll tell you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Ron,
1: tell us a tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Well, you know, I'm born and raised here in Buell, Idaho, and uh you know, we're the we're the trout capital of the world here in Buell. I don't know. That's kind of what puts us on the map. I'm trying to put us as the antler capital of the world, but uh, got a little work <laughs> to do on that. But uh, no, born and raised here, and uh, love my community, and have been blessed to be able to stay in this community. And and uh, it's a great place for recreation. Um, great place to have an antler business. Um, you know, Idaho in itself is a good place to do that. And uh, I, uh, I've been doing this uh, full time for a little over 20 years. Um, you know, I've been picking sheds for 35 years back when hardly anybody was doing it at the time. And, and, uh, it's, uh, it's turned a, a hobby into a business, which has grown to be a very large business. And, and, uh, um, you know, they say be careful what you wish for and and uh I before when I when it was more of a hobby, I, I got to spend a lot of time in the outdoors and uh, was very blessed to do so. And uh now I'm I spend less time in the outdoors, which uh aggravates me a little bit, but as my business has grown and, and found success, that's uh, responsibility. And responsibility can be kind of tough sometimes, I'm finding out, but uh but it's a yeah, it's a good life. Sure. And uh and I don't really have any complaints. You know,
0: it's interesting that you say that because I I hear that a lot and and it's affected. I I think that people that are not in the hunting industry see people that are kind of in some sort of variant of the hunting industry as like you get to spend all this time outdoors and and more time, (laughs) you know, hunting and fishing and shed hunting and all this stuff that that we love to do. And, you know, it's it's usually not like that unless Unless uh, what I found out last night, or two nights ago maybe, uh, unless you work for Phelps <laughs> um, <laughs> you, your most of your time is, is, is spent working on your business within the hunting industry, and it kind of cuts into a lot of, a lot of your hunting time and, and outdoors time. I know that's, it, it definitely affected me uh last elk season i remember i missed i missed a week uh for putting out an episode you know for the show here and it, i was super stressed out about it so i drove all the way to the top of this mountain where i finally got phone service and i recorded a quick episode on my phone uh, mm-hmm. but that cut into my hunting time so it just goes to show uh people that always want to get into the hunting industry sometimes it really cuts into your hunting time
1: <laughs> so it, i want it does like any business yeah, like any business, Jim. You, you know, if if you're going to be successful, you really got to put your heart and soul into it. And uh, once it turns into a business, mm-hmm. it it, uh, it takes a little more uh, time away from the things we'd like to do. But uh, you know, no complaints yeah, here. Sure. I used to, I got a lot of time in the field. I I used to, uh, you know, I'd hunt big game probably 100 days out of the year, and and hunt sheds 50, 60 days out of the year. So I spent my share on out the outdoors and enjoyed every minute of it. So. Being tied up, maybe with my business now a little more than than uh, um, than I used to be. You know, people people aren't going to feel sorry for me. I, I I've played a lot, and <laughs> I still try to play as much as I can, but uh, you know, it is it is limited now. So yeah, um, sure, sure, yeah.
0: So I want to know like the story of your company is called Bonafide Antlers.
1: That's correct. Yeah. And
0: and we've got. Uh, let me pull your website back up here. Uh, for, for anybody that wants to check it out, bonafideantlers.com. And that, obviously, that's going to be in the show notes if you guys want to check it out. But uh, 20 years ago or so, you're you're like going along and, and suddenly had this idea, hey, I'm going to start an antler business? Or how did that come about?
1: Well, you know, it, it probably uh, uh, started even before that. And, uh, you know, I, I spent... Being the trout industry here, I was in the trout industry for about 17 years and, and uh, kind of on the corporate side of things, I saw, you know, how... Uh I don't know. You know, it's it's a good way to go, but I've, but I always wanted to kind of do my own thing and, and be in business for myself, and and uh, so in the sure. years of hunting and shed hunting and fishing, I came in contact with a lot of great guys in the in this in the you know the outdoors markets and stuff, and I finally decided that you know hey I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take a stab at it, and and uh, I became a, kind of a professional vocational recreationalist, I like to say, and and it was a lot of fun in the beginning. It was a lot of fun. Um, I worked for uh, Mule Crazy Magazine uh, as an advertising director for them and the Mule Deer Foundation publication. I started my own kind of clothing line product where we did all antler um, type of images and, and traveled shows and did, uh, all the trade shows all over the country and promoted really crazy magazine. And, you know, big shout out to Ryan and Alicia Hatch. They're great friends of mine. And, and, uh, oh, cool. it just kind of, it just kind of, uh, tr- you know, kind of transpired, but you know, no matter what I did, I, antlers, the antler thing just kind of pulled me back. And, uh, you know, antlers, they say there's such a thing as gold fever, well, there's there's a thing is antler fever. I mean, I don't know what it is about antlers, but uh, it it, yeah. it drives people crazy, and uh, you know, it can it can be all obsessive. So I just kept coming back to antlers, and and uh, you know, started buying antlers. I had a had a guy in the industry named Richard Dorchuk, who was the uh, the antler man, and and he he confronted me one time and said, Hey, Ron, you know, you better better give up the fish business and, and, and start getting into some other things. And, and I took you up on it and, and I've never looked back. And, uh, so it's been a a progression over time. Um, but you know, my core was the outdoors hunting, got into shed hunting, like I said, back in, in 85 and, and probably, uh, you know, um, just. Spent way too much time out there, and and my neighbors <laughs> all thought I was crazy. I, just, you know, packing stuff home right and left, and and I bet uh, you're like
0: the only dude on the mountain looking for shells oh, back
1: then. Th- th- there was very <laughs> few, very few, yeah. and uh, so I I got hooked, and uh, and then antlers has just, just always called me back, and to the point where you know, we started, I started buying more and more antler and uh, developing some markets. And at one point in time, I found myself when, you know, we came out of this bad economy in 2008, and the dog chew market kind of uh, took hold, I, I, I found myself wholesale in about 30% of the US dog chew market. And so I realized it was time to maybe start my own company. And, and I'd already started bonafide at the time. And, and uh, so I partnered with a few people and, and Started uh, a label called Bucky Bites, and uh, that's kind of what got us going. And now it's grown into a big business. I do most of my business through Bonafide Antlers. We do a lot of private label for big, big companies, big retail outlets. And uh, oh wow, it's, I didn't uh, know that. It's, cool. It's grown into a yeah, it's grown into a very big business. And and uh, we're you know we employ five people here, and I've got great people surrounding me, and and I've got uh, tremendous. Asset out there in the in the market, you know, about to, a lot of people buying antler everywhere. Antler's hitting the ground, and just work with great guys, and just uh, you know, we've built just a big business, and uh, we've kind of uh, you know swallowed up a lot of a lot of the other players in the market. A lot of the people that I used to sell antler two years ago, when I first found out they were worth something, um, now I I most of their antlers, so it's kind of gone full circle and uh, brought us up to the point where we are today
0: cool so you uh, I, I guess because there's a lot of different ways and uh or, or or i guess motivations for people to find the answers and we'll actually we'll go we'll go back to that in just a second but sure. um for for you did like do you still get out and find your own sheds or are you just basically buying other people's sheds
1: oh absolutely yeah yeah you know i still get to i, I still enjoy to get out i you know Like I said, I've been very blessed, and back in the day, nobody was picking this stuff up. It was the chalk antler, Jim, I'm telling you, out there in some of these wintering areas was just endless, I thought and uh it was so much fun and and i do not you know i don't blame anybody for going out and, and hunting sheds these days because it is fun and no matter how many i probably picked up hundreds of thousands of antlers and i still get excited to this day when you spot one on the hillside across from me and, and yeah. it just never gets old it's just magic all the time and and uh, so i try to get out as much as i can it's limited nowadays and of course you know with the competition we have out there in the field it uh, it's gotten very popular and uh like i said i can't blame it because you know, blame people for getting involved because it is a lot of fun, however, that's you know creating some some issues I'm sure we're going to talk about today so
0: oh, for sure yeah i do I do want to talk about that and some of the you know just for people listening that may not know some of the the obstacles that that, uh, or I guess responsibility that comes with shed hunting, because uh, there is something to talk about along those lines, but, you know, it goes back to what I was saying. There's a lot of different motivations you know, some people, they, they just, uh, they get a little cabin fever and they want to get out and, and going and and finding, you know, sheds is something to do. And it's, it's great exercise. It's fun. I get excited when I find them. Uh, I don't go (laughs) out specifically to find sheds that often, but sometimes I do. Usually I yeah. just find them when I'm, you know, turkey or bear or elk, you know, whatever hunting, uh, or scouting and, and, uh, I'll pick them up for sure. I'm not one of those guys that leaves them, but, um, I, it's never been something I've, I've gone out specifically, uh, uh f- except for a few, you know, 20 years ago when I was broke, I went and <laughs> <laughs> found a bunch of antlers and I, I sold them to pay my electric bill, you know, kind of thing, uh-huh. but.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: <laughs> you know, on some other motivations, you know, some people, you know, they, they do, they're, they're going out for the market for them. And, and then you have, like, I have a buddy named Troy Pottinger who's been on the show a few times, who's a crazy whitetail hunter. And mm-hmm. uh, he, he goes out for the purpose of finding sheds to see, you know, what's in his hunting area and, Absolutely. and what's, he, he's tracking deer that way. And he'll, he'll, he'll watch a buck for five years. Grow up yeah. and, and, and get mature and then he'll he'll smoke that thing. And that, that's how he does it. You know, and so there's a lot <laughs> of different mo- motivations. Um, so and I, I want to talk about that and, and what we were kind of alluding to, like what's changed the most. Uh, obviously, there's more people now, but, you know, you started looking for sheds seriously back in you know mid 1980s. Um how tell us a little bit about how shed hunting and antlers and the market and all that kind of stuff has evolved since you first got into it.
1: Yeah, it's it's been interesting. You know, back like you said, back in the day, nobody was really picking the stuff up. The the ranchers didn't pick it up, the farmers didn't pick it up, the hunters didn't pick it up. Um the stuff was just mm-hmm. laying everywhere. And 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 that's back, you know, when our, our deer numbers we were coming out of the 50s and 60s, we were picking a lot of the chalk from that era and, and there was just massive amounts of deer. Um, and so, you know, places that we were picking up sheds then are, are not even traditional winter ranges now. I mean, the, the winter ranges have, have, have come back with the populations to where, um, you know, places where we picked a lot of that chalk up, you wouldn't find a deer shed there today. And um, it was kind of interesting to see mm. how, how that transgressed, but, um, but it was crazy. Deer sheds primarily, what people don't realize, and especially people getting into shed antler hunting right now, is that, you know, our elk populations were not real healthy. And uh, back in in those days, I mean, you know, we had elk, but we just didn't have near the numbers. And if you wanted to get a quality hunt, you know, you need to pack into the wilderness and and uh, you know some of that central Idaho country. I mean, most of this country around here it was it's was primarily you know all deer, and it really wasn't until the nineties that we saw you know, the elk population exploded. And, uh, and that was exciting to see. Um, unfortunately, maybe to the the detriment of, of the mule deer populations who have just really never recovered, but, um, yeah, you know, we we picked up just gobs and gobs of chalk antler, and I just thought it was there was never be an end to it. And uh, but slowly but surely, the recruitment numbers, the deer numbers go down, and people start picking it up. And and this day and age, you know, chalk is one of the least uh, the least common items that we bring into the into the shop here. You know, I mean, and most of it gets picked up before it gets that old. And uh, yeah, so it's yeah. been interesting to see, you know, um people. Starting to enjoy you know the shed hunting aspect of things, I think what a lot of my the guys, my buddies and, and guys from back in the day, they would say it's kind of the ruination of shed hunting because uh, you know the, the the hordes that are out there now and 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 that probably developed a little more with social media. Um, social media kind of came in and and people were exposed more to the shed hunting um, and, uh, which is a good thing. Like you said before, I mean, uh, you know, it's a great thing for families. It's, it's, it's a great activity and done responsibly. Um, you know, it's a great renewable resource and, uh, I Mm -hmm. can't, fault anybody for wanting to go out and pick up sheds now do I like seeing people out there when I'm out there picking up sheds no I don't you know I'm, I'm no different than anybody else but um but uh, these days the place you know the hills are crawling with it and and uh with people and and uh, like I said I can't blame them it's too much fun but with that pressure and 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 how this is is has kind of evolved um you know we all need to be mindful that in the spring, when we have that cabin fever, like you talked before, and we, and we want to get out, we got to understand that, that the resource out there, our, our game animals, that's the most vulnerable time of the year, and, and uh, so we need to take extra precaution um, not to uh, harm the resource that we're trying to go out and enjoy, and
0: uh, yeah. you know that's
1: certainly a yeah, sure. challenge that uh, we're going to face. It's the challenge that... Uh, you know, game departments throughout the, the West are, are facing right now and, and uh, they're starting to address it, um, which is probably good because, uh, you know, the last thing we want is the federal government to get involved. You know, if we have the BLM or the Forest Service managing access to, to sheds, you know, they may just shut yeah. it down. And and so, um, you know, we're, 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 we're entering a time when maybe we need to get a little more involved to, to, to kind of control the, the numbers that are out there participating in this. And, and uh, I'm not a big fan of regulation, but, uh, you know, I think some education and uh, certain forms of regulation may be necessary just to ensure that we're not yeah. harming the resource.
0: I would agree with that because there are, and that's, I, I think what, what happens a lot of the time, it's not necessarily that people don't know. Or I'm sorry, uh, don't care. It's that they don't know. They don't know that that when they're when they're going into you know say some backcountry or a winter range where where some mule deer, um, you know have have been staying and trying to get through the winter. The feed is low. The source uh, th- their resources are at an all time low. They're they're burning energy that they shouldn't be. And when you go and bump them out of their winter range they're burning a lot of unnecessary energy at the most difficult time of the year and so just knowing when to go i think is critical um and because you know if you're like right now it's it's mid february if you're out there looking for sheds right now you're wrong um yeah. in my opinion <laughs> you you're wrong yes. you're you're uh, wrong to be doing that like you're you're too early
1: um yeah i agree with and, you jim yeah
0: yeah. And that's why, like you said, I, I don't, I hate regulations and, and it's no, no secret on this show. I'm I'm not a fan of the, uh, the government, state, federal, or otherwise getting, <laughs> getting involved in anything. But, but, you know, you look at, um, just so the listeners kind of have an idea, like in Colorado, uh, the, sh- they're, they're they have a shed hunting season, right?
1: um that's correct
0: well it's not it's it's not so much a shed hunting season it's a close to shed hunting from january 1st to april 30th uh with some other areas that are you know uh shut down beyond those restrictions you just got to look it up in your area wyoming same thing january 1 to april
1: 30 west of the continental divide nevada as well as yep Yep. yep yep
0: yep nevada they all seem to be january 1 to april 30 utah is interesting they don't have it shut down but if you're going to be shed hunting in Utah from February 1 to April 15, you have to have a, a certificate, like a tag, you know, but it's that's free. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and they do have to take a, they have to take an ethics course every year. Um, and then if you go like Idaho, Oregon, Washington, New Mexico, and Arizona, there's, there's no real restriction. And so that's right. where we got to focus in terms of, um, Oh, and and I did I did want to point out too, like people in these states that they do have restrictions. You should probably know the game wardens put little chips in antlers <laughs> and
1: they fill
0: them up with epoxy, <laughs> and like a decoy deer, you know. And they go and set these things out there, and if if somebody picks it up, you're getting tracked by the game warden. You're gonna get busted. <laughs> so, right, right. Um just stuff so so people should know and can can you kind of expand on on uh what we were just talking about like like expand on why we need to uh be mindful and responsible when when it comes to shed hunting and then we can get into the fun part of talking about shed hunting.
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're right. A lot of states have gone to to seasons. Um I'm not a big fan of seasons. I I understand the reasoning um, You know, and, and, uh, you know, like Utah, they haven't gone to a season, but they've gone to a permitted type basis and uh, yep. it allows a little bit of education. I like that. You know, there's a lot of new people that are being involved in, in the shed hunting side of it. And uh, these aren't necessarily people that have really been involved in the outdoor side of things a lot. Like a lot of them aren't hunters. They're, they, they haven't spent a lot of time in the outdoors. They've been introduced to this and, and they think it looks like fun and the weather's nice. And like you said, they got cabin fever. They want to get out. They've got some friends that do it or, or such. And and uh, so, you know, I, th- I think some of the problems that we're having out there, some of it is led to ignorance, just not knowing the vulnerability, yeah. not knowing. Uh, you exactly. know, I talked to a few of the ranchers and stuff, and, and they – They said, you know, they have more problems in the spring with shed hunters as far as gates and trash and and other issues than they do with the the hunters in the fall. And and I got to thinking about that. and I thought, well, you know what? A lot of these people that are maybe participating aren't really haven't spent time in the outdoors outside of that. A lot of them don't hunt. And, um, you know, it's 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 a great time to get out and enjoy the outdoors. But they might, might have not have been just really avid. And so some education, I think, would be great. Um, you know, one of the things with Seasons that, that I'm not overtly like and I've experienced it firsthand is, you know, it it, it uh, it's kind of like gun control. You know, I mean, it it uh, it keeps the honest people honest, but the dishonest people, it gives them advantage. And
0: uh, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. you know,
1: you've got a lot of cheaters out there. And, and unfortunately, the states are they're having a hard time, um, you know, persuading judges that, you know, this is, this is something to take serious. So when they build a case and, 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 and a lot of times, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a hand slap and uh, unfortunately we need a little more teeth in it. And uh, I would like to see, you know, some, some, some four wheeler concert con confiscation or, or side-by-side confiscation or even a vehicle or something like that for somebody that's out there doing those kind of things. And I think we got a long ways to go towards that, but, but it would certainly, uh, keep people honest and, um, you know, and, and, and that, that just helps the resource because, you know, the shed seasons don't keep people from being out in the field. Um, it just keeps people from, you know, physically picking up sheds at that time. Um, so it's, it's very hard for, for, to enforce, it is very hard to enforce and, you know, we kind of need to make a change in, in, oh, I don't know, your, your, the code of ethics, you know, back in the day in the seventies and sixties, you know, the, the spotlighting and, and, and party hunting and stuff was kind of, you know, good old boys thing. And it went on all the time and, and, uh, you know, we kind of changed, we turned a corner on that and it became less accepted and, and people, uh, you know, looked down on that and looked over and kind of monitored themselves well, in this day and age with the shed hunting, we, we kind of need that same community to kind of get out there and say, hey, you know, this is, this, uh, um, you know, maybe we need to kind of uh, oversee ourselves a little bit and and make sure that ethics comes into it over over uh, greed and, and ego. And, you know, that's, that's one thing that's definitely uh, uh, an issue. Uh, you know, people say, well, if, if the antlers weren't worth anything, then people wouldn't go out and pick them up. Well, I don't believe that because I was picking up antlers long before I knew that I could sell them and I would I, pick I up antlers too. if they were I worthless too, yeah. today. Yeah. I, I just fascinated I you know, with them I, and love I them. Love, and,
0: I love having, uh, yeah, I love having antlers. I, I think they're they're a great display item. I got a bunch, you know, I've got sheds here in the studio that I've just picked up through the years and and <laughs> just keep them around. My wife loves them too. She decorates yeah, the house with them. And, and, and so I, I, I would agree because there is that argument, you know, you look at like the, the North American model, uh where where we don't allow the the any kind of market for wild game meat right and and so exactly you know and 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 that's that's done great for that aspect of it but antlers are a different story we are rolling right into the spring seasons i'm talking spring turkey spring bear we got to get geared up and i'm here to help let's start with phelps game calls Phelps Game Calls is one of the OG sponsors of the Western Huntsman Podcast, and we appreciate them for being there for us, and I want to be there for them. It's a great company story. It's an American story, the kind we can all get behind, and they make dynamite game calls. And I don't care if you're talking predator calls, waterfowl calls, turkey calls, elk calls. It's all there. It all works. It's a great company, and they've got a great discount for our listeners here at the Western Huntsman. That promo code is is Huntsman 10 for 10% off. Heck of a deal. Get your get your stuff. Get your stuff. Go to phelpsgamecalls.com and get your turkey calls and your predator calls because here we go. It's already March. I'm excited. Next on the list is Hoffman Boots, the most badass mountain boot you can get out there. I love Hoffman Boots. This company began in North Idaho years and years and years ago. And they have grown into one of the most recognizable name brands out there. And Hoffman boots will not disappoint. What I really like about my Hoffman Explorers is they are on par with some of the most expensive hunting boots out there on the market, yet they're not as much money. That's a huge thing. for uh, when, when you're talking about all the gear you got to get for hunting season to save a, a few bucks on, on a product without skimping on the quality of it, that's Hoffman Boots. That's what you're going to get with them. Use promo code HUNTSMAN10, all caps lock, for 10% off on your Hoffman boots, and you won't regret it. I promise. Last but not least, let's talk about Scree Gear. Scree is high performance, hunting attire and gear, scientifically tested camo patterns, which by the way, they have a new camo pattern coming out this spring that you're going to want to keep your eye on because it's a pretty good camo pattern that they've been testing out all over the country and it's, it's been working really well. So Scree also is one of those companies with a great story. The name Scree comes from the Scree Rock found at the bottom of Rock Faces. You know, the the Scree Rock in that real rugged type kind of Western country. And that's where Scree was developed. And they just changed the spelling on it and came up with Scree Gear because like that rugged country, this is rugged gear. It's high-performance hunting attire. Again, like Hoffman Boots, you're not going to break the bank and have to get a second mortgage on it. It's worth the money. Check it out. Go to ScreeGear.com. And don't forget to use the promo code the Western Huntsman, for 15% off and free shipping. You can't beat it. And folks, I really appreciate you supporting our sponsors that support this show. It means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Let's get back at it.
1: It is a different story, and 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 you know, in this day and age, there's there's enough competition out there, and unless you're dealing with somebody that has some private land that's locked up in that, it's it's really hard to go out and and make money doing it. Um, you know, you can starve yeah, to death yeah. trying to pick up deer antler these days because uh, there's just not very many deer, and they're scattered out through a lot of miles, and and you're doing it for the love of it <laughs> and, and getting out. It's and, crazy. And, w- yeah. W- what's
0: so f- What's so freaking crazy about it, too, Ron, is like. You know, when I, when I'm hunting, I'm, I'm way back there. I, I, you know, I feel like I'm the first person that's ever traversed (laughs) that particular ridge. I know I'm not, I know I'm not, but, but that's the feeling I get. But you would think that in those areas where I, I know there's elk, I know there's deer. uh, I know there's moose. You'd think I'd be finding antlers all over the place, but
1: I don't because it's so popular now. It is popular, yeah. and, and a lot of the country that you may be spending your time in, and in, in, in in then is more summer range, and um, yeah, exactly. you know, and that's yeah, that's another exactly, and 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 you'll find you know that's why the the core winter range, you know, when you've got winter range that, that, that winters a lot of animals in close proximity, you know, those are the areas we really need to protect, and uh, yeah, you know, so yeah. it's hard to do like road closures and stuff like that, and and that's been discussed, but the problem with that is you still have your lion hunters yeah. out, you still have your your trucker hunters your grouse hunters and you know you've got people out there that uh, you don't want to take from their opportunity and their access but i do believe in in certain areas on those core critical wintering ranges where road closures would be a, a huge improvement and um you know it's probably mm-hmm. something we we need to look at but you know prior to this i i was talking about the the greed and the ego side of things you know um jim unfortunately Social media. yeah yeah, yeah, that kind of rears its ugly head and 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 there's a lot of people out there that like we've talked about before. They're doing the wrong thing and they may not really know they're doing the wrong thing. Well, there's also a segment of people out there that are doing the wrong thing and they darn well know they're doing the wrong thing. But uh but it's all about, you know, getting the most uh, the biggest and, uh, you know, that social media post and and this and that. Mm-hmm. And, and so ego really drives, um, a lot of this unethical stuff. I mean, if you've got, get, it, if you've got guys does. out there picking up elk sheds in a bell helicopter, trust me, they're not doing it for the money. Um, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's an ego thing. And, um, unfortunately we're always going to deal with that, but, uh, but, the, but we really need, to, as a community, as, as sportsmen and as, as outdoorsmen, we really need to come together and look at our resource, and uh, we need to look at the things that are going to that are going to help protect that. Um, we're always going to have a few bad apples, but I think uh, if people address this and and we make a you know concerted effort to uh, be mindful when we're out there, we can make a difference. You know, every individual can make a difference. And those guys that are very avid and are introducing this to others, you know, they need to be mindful of that. And they need to take a, a, a leadership role and, and, you know, express good ethics when you're out there in the spring. And, and if you're out there shed hunting and, and making sure that, you know, we're, we're following the rules and following the laws and, and, uh, and, and most importantly, you know, protecting the resource.
0: Yeah. Well said. No, that's, that's perfect. And I mean, the bottom line is, is, is this, you know, I understand social media is like, it it has just created so many issues from hunting to fishing to, uh, you know, shed, shed pick or if I could speak right, shed hunting. Um, (laughs) all of that is exasperated on, on social media. And, you know, some, you got people out there that act like they just nailed a, you know, 300 inch bull elk in September, Uh, by finding a shed and, and it's cool. I, I, that's what I love about social media is, is I like people to share their experiences, but it's, it's blown things out of proportion to feed people's egos in terms of, um, look, I found a hundred sheds compared to everybody else, you know, or I've shot the biggest buck. I shot the biggest bull uh, this and that. And, and it's, it's turned into more of a competition than just sharing the outdoors as an experience. And it's really turned hunters against each other in a lot of ways too. And so the bottom line with, with shed hunting is I'm all for it. You're all for it. We all love to do it. Uh, it's, it's a great thing. It's renewable. Um, but for the love of God, don't go chasing mule deer who are already struggling at the end of February, up into the mountains where, where there's no feed and they're burning all this, this energy. And, and that's all I'm saying is, is there, there really does need to be some common sense used with that. And so, um, that's, that's the biggest thing and, and
1: go ahead. I couldn't agree with you more, Jim. I mean, common sense. I mean, that's something that, uh, you know, like I said, unfortunately, when, when, um, you know, when a person experiences that antler fever, uh, a lot of times we lose our common sense. We've done this, you know, uh, when, whether you're hunting big game or you're, you're picking up sheds I mean, there's something about it, um, you know, guys and gals and, and, uh, you know, I get people that walk into my shop and here in, in Buell and, and, uh, They've never been around antlers. They, they've never probably given a thought of antlers, but when they walk in, they're mesmerized and their jaws just mm-hmm. drop and, and they're just absolutely fascinated. And, uh, you know, there's something about it. And, but then there's those of us out there that have the antler fever. I mean, we, we've got it bad and, uh, we just can't allow that to cloud our judgment. And, uh, you know, I just I'm just asking a lot of people out there, especially the the most avid ones, the ones that are on social media, the ones that do have a following. um, These are the guys we need to step forward and 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 really, you know, um, make it more about the ethics as much as the experience and and, uh, you know, getting out there and finding as many sheds as you can. I mean, we just really need to. Understand that this is a vulnerable resource, and uh, mm-hmm. and and back in the day when there was hardly anybody doing it, we didn't, you know, it wasn't a problem. But now, you know, everybody owns a side by side. Everybody owns a four wheeler. Everybody has, you know, um, all these great tools and and fun Snow toys, mills. and, and uh, yeah, we're we're itching to get out and use them, but. Um, and that's okay. Uh, but let's just be mindful when we're in those areas where that vulnerable wintering game and, and in the spring, you know, a lot of times the weather's nice and you're thinking, Hey, you know, these things are out of the woods. Well, they're really not. That's a tran- you know, that's a time of transition of feed and, and, uh, vulnerability and, and, uh, you know, we just always need to be mindful of the resource first and, or else, you know, we're not going to ha- have this opportunity, I'm afraid.
0: Yeah. I agree. And, and that's, it just goes back to just like anything. I don't care if, if we're just talking about camping in the, on, on national forest land. I don't care if we're talking about big game hunting. I don't care if we're talking about fishing, shed hunting. It doesn't matter. It's always, it's always the, the, that 10% of people that don't follow the rules and don't pay attention to the ethical side of it, that ruins it for the, the 90% of us. And, yeah, unfortunately. and so it's, yeah. it's just, it's just that way. So anyways, we let's transition from that. I, I think, I think hopefully, so, uh, you know, folks Kind of learn something out of that if they if they again, I think a lot of it, like you had mentioned is just kind of ignorance, and i i don't mean that in a rude way it 's just they maybe they don 't realize they 're not hunters they don 't realize that a pregnant doe in in February or early march is is really struggling. And that's their most vulnerable time, and they have to get to that that spring breakup, uh, so they can start feeding and dropping dropping um, y- you know uh, calves for elk and and uh, and these fawns and everything else that goes into it. So hopefully maybe they got something out of that. And let's transition to talking about. Um, Maybe uh, like getting people that are listening to this that they've they've been trying to you know find sheds for the last few years and maybe they're having a hard time and you can give them some pointers as to like areas to look to find sheds or some <laughs> direction to get into it you know don't don't drop any yeah. secrets or anything.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you know that d- d- don't worry about that. It's like a good fishing hole, you know. I mean, uh, uh, it's, it, it, guys are very secretive, and, and if you've got good oh, yeah. areas and. And you know, just like a, a good hunting spot, but you know, for the most part, um, people it, it changes from year to year as as our spring weather, and it just depends. You know, we're going into a year, uh, a spring this year. It was it was very mild throughout most of the Northwest, so our mule deer herds and our elk herds at that you know we're 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 pretty scattered, and uh, a lot of them are are wintering. It's I mean, it's good. It's a good winter for them because you know they're spending more time in that transition period between summer range and and winter range and, and they're just scattered out over a lot of country. And so, um, you know, you've got to take that into mind and, and, and that's a good thing. You know, we like that when, when game is not so congregated and not so stressed and, and, uh, so on a year like this, you know, you have to broaden your horizons a little bit. You've got to realize that, you know, that, that game is going to be pushed. It's going to be back in, in a lot further back up in some country. And, and uh, they're going to be in traditional winter range areas. And they're going to be in some of that more summer range areas. And uh, so when you go out to look uh, later in the spring, you know, that's, that's something you need to be thoughtful of is, is where were those animals at at that period of time when they were shedding those, those antlers? Um, You know, the deer shed relatively early, um, depending on your location, um, you know, the further north you go, the quicker they come off. We get a lot of deer that start shedding in December. We get uh, um, the bulk share of them here um, north is probably in January. This year was a real mild year. A lot of deer still carrying a lot of antler out there as you go further south. Um, you know that that game will carry um, those deer will carry clean into April and 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 May in some places. I mean it's it's crazy how that period of time of that sheds season um, varies from place to place. Um, elk a little bit different. Um, elk uh, you know we start getting that green up and, and we start getting that in the southern end of uh, of the states and in Utah or in uh, let's say uh, New Mexico and Arizona and, and they they tend to start shedding a little bit earlier. Um, with that green up and uh, and then as you move further north it's uh you know we, we start experiencing that that shed shedding period for they all could be in in March um, and April and um, so you know people have to be thinking be thinking where were that where was that game at that period of time? You know, what was our weather like at that period of time? Did we have a heavy snow situation where, you know, some of that game was further down the mountain or was it a mild year and, and it was maybe further up, but elk tend to want to be moving from winter to summer range at the point of time when they're shedding. And, um, mm-hmm. and so those transition areas are the areas that a person wants to spend their most time is, is where those elk had wintered and where they're going in the summer. Um, that inter that, that period in between, that's the, that's the, the million dollar question is, is those are the areas. Now guys that have been at this for a lot of years, they've discovered these areas and they understand those areas. And, um, and, and they have a little better success. If you're just new to it and you're getting out there and looking at, you know, um, it takes a little trial and error. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, without giving up any secrets here, but uh, it's just persistence. And uh, getting out, you know, I recommend anybody that's that's wanting to, to, to get involved in shed hunting is uh, get a good pair of boots. Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, a good pair of socks cause you're going to put some miles on and, and a really good pair of optics and, uh, spend the time out there glassing and, and, and just enjoying the outdoors. I mean, a great day out shed hunting might not necessarily mean you pick up many sheds. Um, there's so much other great beauty in the spring and, and stuff you don't see in the fall. And, uh, so yeah. take it all in, enjoy it all. But, uh, if you happen to find an antler, Hey, you know, it's it's even that much better of a day. But, uh, um, you know, I just I think people persistence getting out, spending some time out, um, you know, looking for wintering sign and then and then following that wintering sign up into more of that transitional area. I think uh, people are going to going to find success if, if they put a little time forward. But don't get discouraged if you don't, um, you know, just like I said, uh, enjoy the outdoors. Enjoy the beauty of, of spring as it all comes into into full focus.
0: Yeah. No, good stuff. Um, And w- what are your thoughts on, on training your dog to help you find antlers? Right? That, that, that's you know, that's a, like, a, that's like a, a new
1: fad. It is, it is it. And, and, you know, and they do really good. And, and that's what, you know, so much fun. I mean, you know, people that have dogs and, and it's a great it's this is a great sport to train your dog in it. Now, I do believe it's a little difficult to have a dog that's that's good with birds or or, or good with lions and, and also good with sheds. I mean, dogs tend to be a little bit yeah. more uh, one dimensional. And so if you want a good shed dog, it's it, you really need a good sh- just a shed dog. You need to focus on that. I've got buddies that have great dogs. And um, and that you know, and they've got great eyes, and they and they've been at this a long time, and their dogs will go out and find uh, three antlers to their one every day when they go out. So the dogs are a real benefit. The other plus is is most of these guys just thoroughly enjoy working, watching their dogs work, um, just yeah. like a bird hunter. If you go out and, and you hunt birds and you don't have a dog. It's not the full experience. And just seeing the dog work, the birds and and uh out there working and being with, you know, your best friend out there um is a great experience. The shed hunting side of it too is the same thing. And these dogs are they're they're uh I mean they're they're amazing. Um they've got a great sense of smell, a good shed dog will have a good sense of smell, it'll also have a good sense of sight, and it also needs to be a breed that can that can handle and cover a lot of uh, uh rough terrain. And so when you're thinking about getting, if you're thinking about getting a shed dog in that, um, you know, take those into consideration because uh, those are the dogs that seem to thrive and, and, and do better out there in the field.
0: Yeah, that's you made you made a couple of really good points in there. Um, my dog, my, my retriever, he's a great bird dog. Uh, other than he's getting old now, but anyway, he's yeah, sitting unfortunately. right here, <laughs> <laughs> my, poor old boy. Anyways, uh, now he, but I've, I've been in the woods with him and, and he has flat out walked right past antler sheds without even acknowledging them. <laughs> um, now he'll, he'll find, he'll find birds. He'll fi- he's really good at finding porcupines, which is pretty irritating, but, um, <laughs> he'll find birds like crazy and, and he's great with that. But that, that's kind of what, what I was going to ask you. Cause I've heard that a lot. Uh, you know, folks that, that want to have a really good shed dog is probably not going to double as a great pheasant dog or or waterfowl dog. You know, they're, they're kind of more master of one thing versus jacks of all trades. So that makes a lot of sense. Do you have like a recommendation on breed for a, a few different breeds or something that, that you've seen, you know, from some of your clients that are bringing the antlers and stuff? Uh, What, what kind of dogs are doing best out there for performance wise or is it just, you know, or I, does it even matter?
1: It, you know, it, I, I don't know that it matters that much. I think any dog is trainable. I think, you know, the things you're looking at is, is good eyesight, um, a good sense of smell, and, um, you know, a dog that, that wants a job. And, uh, you know, it's something that, that uh, dogs that are driven um, kind of predisposed to go out and and, and find things. And uh, so retrievers, you know, a lot of guys are using labs. Um, the, uh, the labs are great. They've got a great nose. They're just sometimes maybe not as athletic as you would like a dog out in that type of country. And so, you know, you've got these sporting labs and they seem to be really popular in the shed industry. I've got a number of buddies that have the sporting labs and they're real agile. They seem to do really great. Any of your upland game bird dogs, I think, uh, you know, your Y Mariners, your Visas, i got a couple of buddies that have those and, and trained them well. Um, you know, I've got guys that, that have trained their cattle dog to go out and, and uh, maybe not push cows, but find sheds. And, and you know, like any job that needs it, any dog that needs a task. um, I think is a good dog for that type of, uh, of deal. And, you know, I just encourage anybody to go out and, and spend time with their dogs. So, um, you know, whether you have success in training the dog to find antlers or you don't, you're going to have a good time getting the dog out regardless. And, and, uh, but I, but I think, I think there's a really good, um, you know, good opportunity to train a dog and go out and work. I mean, these guys, They, some guys tell me that, that they train them, you know, for a treat or something, you know, they're, they're more, uh, when they find an antler, they give them a treat. I've had other guys that, that use an activity like throwing a ball. They've got dogs that are just nuts about, you know, chasing a ball. And so they'll actually carry a ball with them. They find an antler. Um, they get the antler brought back. Um, they take the ball out of their pocket. They play ball with the dog for five minutes. Um, and that's a three ward. And, uh, and then they're back Mm -hmm. on the hunt again. And so I think anything can be trained. I, I think there's certain breeds that probably would have a little more success. But, um, you know, I, I think I would be mindful of, of, of a breed that, that, that is pretty durable. Um, a lot of the country, here, here. when you're out there hunting sheds, they're, uh, you know, it's rocky. It's that winter range. It's brushy. Um, it's, it can be steep. And, and so a, a good, durable dog, I think, is, is, uh, is going to be a, a good choice
0: can you talk about for just a minute um that your I want to get back to like bona fide antlers, your antler dog shoes um, health benefits to dogs on those
1: well, uh, I think you broke up just a little bit on my end, Jim. What was that again?
0: I'm sorry, uh, you talk talking getting back to your bona fide antlers and the and the dog chews and stuff like that. Um, why have those become so popular or what what are the health benefits of those kind of thing uh, you know what tell us a little bit about that well
1: that's a that's a that 's a really good question you know and and the dog chew i believe in the item i think it's it's a fantastic item you know i 'm also a huge dog lover um, and uh you know the, the the antlers are are a great source of a lot of minerals and protein and 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 they 're good um, you know, non-allergenic, um, they don't have any odor the, you know, that, the, they're a longevity chew. They're a little more expensive than, than uh, a lot of the chews you find out there. But, uh, but like I said, they come with a lot of benefit and, um, you know, and then once people realize that this is a renewable resource, I think they, I think they even enjoy that a little bit more and, and understanding, you know, their dogs are, are enjoying something that that uh, you know is is kind of uh, cruelty free in, in in a respect, but
0: yeah, but you know the yeah. antlers,
1: yeah, the antlers themselves. I mean, if you just, I mean, you look at a, a bull elk. Say he sh- he sheds in in March. A mature bull, his antlers will be fully grown back by the end of July. I mean, that's amazing how fast these things grow. But the nutrients, the nutrients inside of these things is amazing. It takes as much energy for a a mature bull elk to grow a set of antlers as it does for a a cow to to produce a fetus and, you know, a calf. Mm -hmm. And um, so... Um, you know, these things are just, just packed with, with nutrients and, and, you know, I, I also export to the, the Asian pharmaceutical market and the Asians have been consuming antlers for thousands of years and they've long known what, what we're finding out now, the same benefits that, that the dogs are getting out of the antlers today is the, the Asians also consume the antler for that, you know. Aphrodisiac gets the most press, but really that's the least used um, use for for antlers in the in the human pharmaceutical market over there. It's mostly just joint health. Arthritis, um, you know, it's it's a vessel expander, but it's it's good for healing and stuff like that. It's the same thing our pets do. Not only do they get a dental reward, you know, with healthy gums and and teeth, is is they're ingesting that marrow, and and it's 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 a really good item with with a lot of minerals and a lot of goodness. So you're you're seeing people now, as as you well know, Jim. You know, you have a dog. Um, you know, we'll tell our kids no long before we'll tell our dog. I mean, we spoil them terrible. And uh, oh yeah, you know, people people are now starting to become more interested in what their dogs are consuming and not only with their food, but, uh, with their treats as well. And, and so people are more health conscientious these days. Um, I think as people have been introduced to the, the dog chew, um, they've had a, a, a really good response with their pets that uh, they really like them. I always tell it, it's like doggy crack. It's like crack for dogs. I mean, they, they once they get a taste of that marrow, I mean, they just, they love it. Dog dog nip. Uh, <laughs> so you know luckily for me you know people are willing to spoil their pets and and i believe it's a it's a great item and we're seeing more and more people um enjoy the item and um you know um so so the sales you know consistently have have been going up and and like i said we're we're involved in in a very major player with most of the big retail outlets and so we do a really large volume um and uh you know, it's it's been interesting to see the market um, kind of increase, and and but you know, there's a it's a it's a commodity like anything else. There's the supply and 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 the demand yeah. can go up when, when the economy is good. Right now, um, you know, which. It's kind of surprising with you know, with everything going on, but with, people are still spending right? money, and and uh, so so it's a good it's a good item. Um, you know, we if the economy gets tighter, that's that's something that uh, you know we we've seen in the past where uh, you know people spend a little less money. in. and in, in. it's not like bread or milk or or, or oil or, or gas. You know, I mean, it's, it's something you can do without. But but kind of a luxury are, item, e- exactly. But we are seeing people that. Uh, Really enjoy the item and uh, and get some great use. Um, their dogs just absolutely love it. They get a really good value out of it because it does last a long time, uh, for the most part. Every dog's a little bit different, you know. Some some dogs are like Cujo and they could chew a car tire in half in a day. But um, <laughs> antlers antlers are a good thing for them. We can upsize, we can custom size things. I mean, you know, it will it will challenge the best of chewers. But uh, um, well, so I stuck. you know I'm a big fan it's, of it. Yeah.
0: It's not that expensive. I'm, I'm on your website here. You can get this uh, assorted variety pack for, I mean, basically seventeen bucks. Yeah, uh, looks like you got a sale going on. Um, and then the bucky buck chews, you know, six bucks yeah. for this little bag for a smaller, you know, some some of you guys out there that have those little chihuahuas. Uh, <laughs> my dog would eat that, and it that's like an aspirin to him. But extra large stick. Yeah, that's. Uh, Thirteen forty nine. I mean, that is, that's not that bad, yeah. and, and they last longer. You know, I, I I sometimes I'll be at the grocery store and I, at the grocery store up here they sell those giant, you know, leg bones from uh, the, the cows are butchering and whatnot, and uh, mm-hmm. they've got a little meat on them here and there. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm spending ten bucks on that, and my dog will eat that in a few days. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's funny. Well, you will get out there, and we have like this male lady that uh she'll she'll come deliver a package, you know, has to drive up the driveway and come to the house and whatever. <laughs> There's this <laughs> giant bone on the like my dog just killed a dinosaur out in the woods or something <laughs> and brought it back, but um, no, I like. So, that. I'm gonna get a bag. I'm gonna get this assort, uh, assorted a sorted variety pack here. You got. I, I like yeah. that idea.
1: Well, you know, and 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 I always like. You know, I like people to reach out to me directly. Um, you know, we've got a website out there. And like I said, most of the stuff we do is is large volume, big big retail market and stuff. And you know, a lot of times when you go to those type of stores, you don't really get a great selection for for what your dog may yeah. really need if you have a bigger dog or, or an aggressive chewer you're probably not going to find that in the retail side of it because you know that they're kind of looking at uh, uh, a size that that keeps them at a price point to where people you know aren't don't have a little sticker shop um, I always recommend get people if you've got a big dog or a big chewer um, you know, give us a call and we'll custom cut something that fits your dog, not uh, not anything else. And, and every temperament's a little bit different. We we cut dog chews up to two and a half pounds. You know, big beam, big elk beam things for dogs. And and uh, the you know, I always like to see the dog get an item that is more fit to its personality and its size than just a generic, uh, chew. So, you know, I, am always excited to educate people on, on the antler chews. Um, you know, we get a lot of people that just walk in, we do a wholesale right here out of the shop. And, and I spend a lot of time just, you know, talking to them about how to, to size something appropriately for their dog, because, you know, we don't want a dog that, that, uh, is going to have, uh, you know, go through the item too quickly or, or have a bite pressure maybe that, that breaks a small antler and, and becomes a puncture problem. Um, you know, we want, we want people to get a great item at, at a great value and, and really, you know, their dog gets some great enjoyment out of it. So, um, you know, I encourage people to, to do a little research and, uh, you know, for those people that have small dogs, it's, a bigger chew is always uh, no problem. They have a Napoleon complex. They'll take a, a, a chew away from a big dog. You know, don't worry about your dog getting a, a too big a chew. Uh, but those people that have large dogs, um, you know, it's it's important that they, that they do a little research and get out there and, and find something that, that's going to be more fitting to their dog and their dog's temperament and size-wise.
0: Okay. And and it'd probably yeah. be a good training tool too, right? Like if you've got a if you've got a, oh. a pop that you wanna you want to trade to shed hunt, I, I would I would assume that if the dog likes to chew on those, uh he or she'd be more prone to find them when you're when you're out there.
1: You know, uh, I, 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 don't know. I I imagine uh, you know, I, I, I worry, I keep a lot of, I, you know, my dogs, I, I, they get a lot of dog chews and stuff, but I also have a lot of big trophy stuff laying around. And so, uh, you know, sometimes <laughs> I, I'm a little nervous that <laughs> they're going to mistake the wrong piece for, for something, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think most of the shed dogs, um, certainly could have antlers as antler chews, but I, I think, you know, most of the training in that goes with, uh, the reward in finding the antler, you know, going out and, and hunting for the antler and finding the antler and providing the the dog, either a, a a snack that they like, or some kind of behavior, um, you know, a stimulation, and and I think, I think that's uh, probably the, the 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 route to go with with training a shed dog. But I, I certainly wouldn't be afraid to give them antler dog chews at the same time.
0: Gosh, man, I didn't even think about that. I, I bring home a monster buck you just shot and have it have <laughs> it laid out, and the dog takes <laughs> an antler and ruins it. Oh man, yeah, I'd be I'd be upset. But yeah, so that that, that kind of hey,
1: Go ahead. Oh well, you know, the, uh, dogs have been consuming antlers for thousands of years, so there's no risk. I mean, there's there's a risk that if you bring home that big trophy and leave it on the the floor of their garage, the neighbors' dogs are going to come in there and, and and chew it up. is a re- is a real risk. So be be careful because uh, dogs naturally want to chew on antler, but uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, I I've heard those stories and and they make my heart just sick for a few guys that have lost trophies to that. Oh, but, uh, oh man, uh, yeah,
0: that
1: yeah. I can feel that one. So
0: I got a, I got an oddball question for you. Just kind of random out of the blue, but, um, you know, when you, yeah, you see a lot people take their, their elk antler, um, you know, whether it's something they shot or they found, you know, a deadhead or whatever, and they, they hang them up outside. Uh, is there like a treatment you could put on those to keep them from, from turning? Um, you you know, so you can keep it outside for a long time.
1: Yeah. You know, I wouldn't, I really wouldn't recommend it. Um, you know, a lot of people back in the seventies and eighties and, and, and stuff, even the people that, that shot big deer back in the day, you know, they felt like they needed to preserve the antler. And, and by, by doing so, the, the common uh, theory was to put a coat of lacquer or something on it to preserve. Yeah, it. yeah. Antler, Antler, if it's – and and unfortunately, I've, I've purchased and I've seen some sets that, you know, have just been just ruined with this stuff. Um, but uh, um, if antler is kept indoors, um, it'll last forever. And it may yeah. heat crack. It may dry out a little bit, but it'll last forever. And uh, – but antler no, that I'm talking, to, I'm talking that, about the outside. Yeah, any antler that you take outside, if you hang it up where it's not exposed to the um, – to the moisture from the ground or, or, you know, um, if it's not having contact with the ground or, or something like that, it's going to last a long time. Um, you know, and it's going to age over time. It's going to patina out, which I kind of like, um, you know, it's going to turn to chalk and, and, but you know, we've got a a big old bull elk that's been hanging on the, the, the side of a building here in Buell, um, at a welding shop for 30 years. It doesn't look any different than it did, you know, uh, when I remember, it, you know, 30 years ago, um, it's yeah. it's chalky, it's gray, but it's it's going to last the test of time. Now, if you have what we call yard art and stuff where it's laying out and, it, and it's exposed to the ground and, and, and that moisture drying wet, drying, wet.
0: Getting snowed Um, on, all that kind of stuff. Exactly.
1: It's, it's, it's going to deteriorate and it's going to take, it's going to take a while, but it will eventually rot, turn pink, fall apart. Um, So anything that you want to display outdoors, you know, um, like over the entrance to, to a driveway or over a garage or something like that, if it's under an awning, um, I wouldn't put anything on it. Um, it. Even if you put some stain or some lacquer or anything on it, it's going to peel eventually anyway. Um, I would just mm-hmm. leave it as is, let it naturally turn white. It will probably last in in a hung situation like that for for many, many, many years. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So tr- so yeah.
0: transitioning from that, am, and I, I'm sorry. I keep I, I'm like giving you a lightning round of questions here, but, uh, Shed Hunter goes out. Phil's, uh, you know, gets a bunch of antlers, uh, all excited, brings them over to you. Um, give people an idea of what they could expect for, uh, you know, price wise on those antlers, so there's not any like fantasies out there.
1: Well, absolutely, and 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 you know that's and that's where my business has grown, uh, just really large over the years is, is just good business practices. I I would say back in the day, there was, uh, back when I started selling sheds, I mean, I got, I just couldn't find an honest guy in the shit in the antler market. It was, it was like, Mm -hmm. uh, I call them horn carnies. I mean, there was a lot of them out there and I got took by them all. and, (laughs) And, uh, I like that um, term. I
0: steal
1: that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, but you know, uh, these day, this day and age, it's very straightforward. There's really no craft grade. I mean, there's not much of a craft market. Um, we did nearly five hundred thousand pounds of antler last year. I'd say one half of one percent of that uh, goes into a craft market. Um, but the consumption side of it kind of drives the market. And uh, so we grade antlers depending on. Um, the quality of the antler as it comes in. Each species has uh, a little different price point. Um, let's take elk as an example. So if you find, go out and find an elk antler in the spring and it's fresh and it's brown and and that's a premium antler. That's going to bring a premium price. Um, so you bring that in. That's called an A grade elk. Um, you know, back in the day when it had a broken point or a broken beam or something like that, it used to get docked because it was it wasn't uh, craft quality. These days yeah. it doesn't matter broken you know as long as it doesn't have a lot of surface chews on it right away you know i mean we do have especially up north where you guys are at you know that antler doesn't lay too long something's found it and, and starting chewing on it because the stuff's delicious Oh yeah. I guess. but um but uh you know if it's if it's uh uh, a good brown antler found from that spring, um, it's going to fetch that A grade price. Um, you know, the price kind of depends on the area. Right now, the, the the street prices are between $14, $15 a pound uh, for that grade of antler. Um, then we go into the next grade of antler, and that's an antler that's laid – maybe through the summer into the fall um it's turned white you know they lose their color really quickly um the larger the antler interestingly enough the faster it breaks down it's got more um exposure to the 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 weather and the elements it gets more sun it gets more heat um a, a bigger antler will crack out quicker than a smaller antler so a lot of that larger elk antler um you know, through that first year, that full first year, whether it's found in the fall or found in the spring the next year, that's what we call a hard white. And, and that's an antler that's, that's going to probably run in, you know, in that eight to $10 a pound range, depending on your location and where you're at. Um, And then what we get after that is we get an antler on a large antler, normally when they're about two years old, they start to crack out on one side and that's what we call a c-grade antler where the where the cracking and checking has, has started to to take place and the antlers starting to break down it may be fully brown on the backside, on the downside um where it's up against the ground but but the exposure to the sun and the weather and and, and the moisture on the upside has started to deteriorate that antler and it starts to go into a c-grade antler now uh an antler A smaller antler that sheds the weather and let's say it's been in the canopy of a tree or something like that it may fare better and 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 it may stay in that hard white situation for two to three years um so that's kind of the next grade down is is that antler now the antler that's laid out there for for two three five ten years um you know that that's a that's a c-grade antler um, up in your country, up north, Idaho, you have a lot of moisture, um, a lot of snow. Um, antlers tend to break down a little bit faster up in that country. When you get down into my country, down here in southern Idaho, and a lot of these more arid portions of these uh, northwest states, you'll find that antler lasts a lot longer. It, it doesn't uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't break down as fast. So geographically, a, it depends on where you're at um, on how great your antler will grade, how long.
0: Yeah. 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 That, that speaks to, cause I, I, I lived in Utah and that I, I would find a lot of what you're talking about, that C grade type kind of antler. Yeah. Um, I don't find any of those up here. And, and I think that yeah. we have be, between, <laughs> between the climate and the, and the critters, I just don't think they exactly. last, you know, they don't. Saw where, they don't. where in Utah, man, it was nothing to uh, you'd go out uh, and hunting jackrabbits in the sagebrush you'd find these these huge antler sheds that look like they were they were probably you know five to ten years old
1: uh they'd be exactly out there but
0: the, and so yeah interesting much drier
1: much drier and and antler will last a long time in, in that country you know uh shed antlers will last you know they can last 20 20 plus years laying out there before they crumble apart um yeah in your yeah. country um not not as hospitable for antler and uh you know critters squirrels, porcupines, you know, everything likes to chew on antler and, and uh, um, they, they, you get a lot more chews up in that North country. You get a lot more water damage. Um, water damage is one thing that that is really a bummer because the water actually gets inside the antler, kind of kills the core from the inside out. And, oh, uh, yeah. and so that's something that, that your antler up North will, will degrade a little bit faster than say antler down South. Um, and, uh, you know, depending on those areas that you find it in. But, uh, but any, anything you find fresh in the spring is going to be a, a good A-grade antler. I mean, you can take that antler home. You can put it in your shed, your shop, your barn. I mean, it could sit there for 30, 40 years. It's still going to be an A-grade antler. Um, as long as it's indoors, exactly. Um, but if you find a big pile of sheds and, and, uh, and you like laying them out, um, around the yard and stuff like that, just know that, that they are going to degrade. They are going to go down in, in quality over time. And, and, but it's a great look. The other thing is, is unfortunately, um, in this day and age a lot of people know that the antlers have values so if you live in a populated area and you uh leave your antlers laying out in your yard or whatever um don't be surprised if one day you get up and you go out and they're they're missing unfortunately that I know, happens yeah. all too often
0: that does happen and man. Uh, I, I i just like i well yeah anyway
1: <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. I, I hate a thief as much as anything, but I just tell people that, hey, um, you're kind of inviting problems these days, and there's a seedy element out there that's looking for anything that has any value. And, and unfortunately, antlers now are, are one of those things that uh, some people don't realize they have some value, so they leave them out. And other people that do, they, they end up taking them. And it's always a sad story to, to hear somebody that um, you'll call and say, Hey, you know, my antlers got stolen and, and, uh, you know, I, I, I just, my heart goes out to him. So, you know, if you have something and you enjoy it, make sure you put it in close. Yeah. It's yeah.
0: it's terrible. If you're, if you're in a situation and, and let's say you just, you just got your, so got your first elk, right. And somebody rips off that yes. rack. I, I was talking to a dude, oh. uh, I, he, he gets his first elk with a bow. He'd gotten one, uh, yes. you know, with a rifle before or whatever. And, but anyway, so this one's super sentimental, but for some reason he packed, he packed the head out first and, and the rack out first, uh, oh. left it kind of sitting, um, up in the, up in the bushes where his truck was parked. Cause you know, he wasn't totally stupid and put it in the back of his truck and then went back in for the meat. Sure. Meet. But somebody found it. Somebody found uh, the the rack and took it. And it wasn't like some monster bowl, but I mean, it was it was you know yeah. his first bowl and and uh, it was a branch out absolutely. And and yeah. some dickhead came came up and ripped him yep. off. It just that kind of stuff. Just man, that rubs me the wrong way, and so it,
1: uh, it does I, me I, as well. I my heart goes out to guys like that. I mean, you know, they're priceless to us. The 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 memories, you know, just seeing that antlers, uh, you know, hanging up on the wall for all those years. You'll mm. always remember that archery hunt, and so, um, yeah, you know, that's, that's very. Story that's it a bummer. It, so it, it happens, and um, you know, and people need to be aware of that. And make sure that, you know, if you've got antlers that are easily accessible out in your yard or under your eave or something like that, unfortunately, in the day and age we're in now, um, you know, you need to be mindful about that and uh, booby trap um, them.
0: That's what I say. Yeah, exactly. Well, we've had,
1: (laughs) I've had a few guys that have had some success. We've, we've definitely caught some antler thieves out there. And, and, uh, there's got to be a uh, way
0: like, like, that everybody's uh, putting the electronic or uh, electricity hooked up to like the political signs and people, you know, there's gotta be a way to do that with the antlers
1: and then put a troll cam. Absolutely. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well tell me, I, I, I encourage everybody to do that because nothing irks me more than, than a thief and, and, uh, yeah. but you know, it's, it's a, it's a legit deal these days. And, uh, yeah. but you know, some people enjoy to have that, that antler art out there, but if you, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're picking it up and you want to maintain that value and, 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 you know, put it indoors, put it in the garage, put it in the shed, you know, put it somewhere where it's safe. And, and like I said, once you get that indoors, that, 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 that antler will never devalue, you know, it, it'll stay in the condition that you found it in. And, and, uh, oh, yeah. you know, if yeah, the type got, guy decides I've to, got to got sell it at some in point in time, then absolutely, it's still the same value.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, I, I think. I think I've got a set that's 25 years old and they, they look brand new. They look like, you know, you know, they just dropped, but I, I did find those early spring. I, I think I was out coyote hunting or whatever, but, uh, they've just been inside and, you know, for me, when I find sheds, I, I generally hold on to them. I don't sell them, but I don't go Absolutely. out and find piles and piles of them. Right. And so
1: exactly. uh, maybe, well, you know, maybe there's one a- day I will. There's a lot of people out there in the same boat, and, and uh, you know, they don't find a lot of antlers. But I encourage people, um, you know, you find a big set, um, you find something nice that you like, you know, keep it. Hold on to it. Um, you know, you can call somebody like myself. If your garage is all cluttered with all these antlers and, you know, the stuff that mismatches and the and the broken stuff or whatever, um, you know, you'll be shocked at how much value you have there, and and uh, so you can sell that. Yeah. But, you know, I always encourage guys, uh, you know, to, to hold on to the stuff. Stuff that that uh, that really means and that's and that's what shed hunting is also about it's not just about going out and you know seeing how many antlers you can find like your buddy you know he uses it as scouting measure and he goes out and he looks for 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 certain sets and 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 mm-hmm. uh, maybe trophy animals and stuff like that and, and you yeah, know, he's just he keeping track like that absolutely you're keeping tabs but if you find something like that you know it's a treasured item and uh Mm -hmm. i call it a keeper horn you know guys go out and and you spend all year hunting sheds while you're hoping to find a few keeper horns and the keeper horns are you know something that uh is of, of more trophy quality or to you maybe some oddity or anything that you know floats your boat um by all means keep that antler but uh a lot of that antler you know i get a lot of guys that go out and 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 uh they, uh, they pick up Antler and, and at the, they use those proceeds at the end of the year to, you know, maybe reinvest back into their, 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 uh, um, their hobby, you know, buy some binoculars, upgrade a rifle scope, you know, something like that. So it's kind of some fun yeah. money where you, can, where you can take that and, and uh, um, turn that back into something that, that you're going to use from year to year. And, and I, I see a lot of that out there. And, and so it's kind yeah. of fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and that's, that's all super dependent on the market and things, things have changed a lot. Like I used to, you know, like I told you, I, between bounties on coyotes and shed antlers and, and a few different things, I used to, you know, pay bills on, on uh, doing that stuff back in the day. But uh, to your point, you were just talking about, like I, I, I'd mentioned Troy Pottinger where, where he's just keeping tabs on these bucks. It's cool because once they get mature enough, he gets them. But he's Absolutely. got like the last three or four years of sheds for that same buck that he could show you. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's cool because we're, th- this is public land mountain bucks. This isn't like some game ranch, high fence kind of situation
1: exactly. um, and it makes
0: it even that much cooler. So anyway, it Ron, does. this is, it... uh, go, go ahead, go ahead. I catch you. We've got kind of yeah, a delay here we're dealing
1: with. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, no, that's a, that's a great thing to do. I mean, I'm always fascinated to see people that have multiple years off the same animal, and and I, I, I love how antler growth is, and 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 you know signature points, and and that memory in antler, and and it's fascinating. And so yeah. it's always neat in sheds when you can see multiple years of the same animal, see as it matures, and 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 maybe turns into this you know exceptional animal. I've seen it also where you know they they hit periods of time time and growth where you know they're tremendous and then they regress and go back down and and it's fun to see that um, and that's one thing you get to see in shed hunting. You know, when you when you pull the trigger and that the animal drops, the, the the story ends right there. And, and uh, so I love the fact that you know we can go out and we can find multiple years of off, of sheds off these animals. And and sometimes these animals are they get so smart they're never harvested. And um, mm. their only thing they've left behind is those sheds. And and uh, that excites me. You know, I, I I in this day and age, I I. I enjoy getting out and and looking for something shed hunting and and that experience as much as I do in the the time in the fall. And and it's just it's just a great opportunity to really, really get out and and enjoy what the outdoors offers and enjoy what our resources is is that are given to us. And, and, uh, you know, I I encourage people to 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 get out and enjoy it, but but do it responsibly and and um, Mm -hmm you know, and, and follow the rules and regulations that are probably going to keep coming, um, unfortunately. But uh, as more and more people and, and as our populations increase here in the West, um, you know, there's going to be more and more demand. And, and so we're going to have to be mindful of that at all times. Yeah, for sure. I mean,
0: with increased population incomes, increased regulations. It's just a sad fact of life. And this is just how it, it is. is. But um, yeah. well, Ron, this has been a fun conversation, man. I appreciate you doing this with me.
1: Absolutely, I appreciate the invite, and uh, maybe down the road we can have another conversation like this. We
0: should, and I'm I'm going to come see you next time I'm I'm coming through the Buell area. I'm going to swing in and see. you. I want to see your shop. Uh, I think absolutely. I think
1: I would invite any of your listeners. Uh, if you get into the Buell area, you come by. I mean, it's a destination point. And you know, we may be busy, we're doing things, my doors are always open. You'll come in here, it's quite a, a homage to Antlers. So if you love Antlers, uh, yeah. stop by and check us out because it's 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 a it's something to see, it really is. But uh I encourage well, I, that I am. and uh it would be tickled to meet any of your listeners out there to and and invite them to come on by and say hey.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. And and like you said, yeah, you guys, if you're down in the Buell area, uh, it's a fun little probably a Saturday outing or or uh, you know, what, I, I don't know if you're open <laughs> on Saturday, but but go check it out. Go check. You it know, out You know, I'm dot. pretty much
1: here seven days a week for the most part. If I'm not on the road, I'm probably here, or if I'm not lucky enough yeah, to be I shed imagine. hunting myself or hunting, but um, I spend a lot of time here, so you know, reach out with a text, and and uh, chances are you'll catch me.
0: Good deal welcome see you for sure so again um, thanks thanks again for coming on the show let's keep in touch uh, and maybe do this again and and uh, talk talk more antler I'd love to talk uh, a little bit more about your business we didn't spend a ton of time on that and so we're, we're definitely gonna have to do that again but uh, for for now thanks a bunch and um, guys the website is bonafideantlers.com, fide uh, and I will have that in the show notes is there any other website you want me to throw in there Ron
1: You know, uh, not really. Like I said, you know, I I, I encourage people, if if you're looking for for dog chews, um, reach out to us, you know, via email. We've got uh, my email is bonafideantlers at yahoo.com. You know, I I always encourage to, I I like some interaction with the customer when we're dealing with somebody directly. So I can really make sure that they're getting what they need for their dog's uh, needs. And and like I said, I'm a huge dog. Uh, dog lover and and i want to make sure that uh we've got a great item here i just want to make sure that people get what they need cool well thanks again buddy you bet thanks jim I, i i it's been very enjoyable and uh we'll we'll keep in touch and see each other soon i'm sure
0: awesome you made it all the way to the end